Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, folks and people. My name is Anthony Taylor, and this is the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. We interview incredibly smart people doing incredibly cool things in their communities, and I'm so excited today to speak with Ken Falk. Ken, how's it going today? Good, Anthony. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm awesome. It's the end of year, our last podcast of 2021, and I'm excited to chat with you. So Ken is the chairman of the Boulder Crest Foundation. Ken, what does the Boulder Crest Foundation do? Well, Boulder Crest Foundation is a nonprofit organization here in uh, the United States. We're headquartered in Virginia, but we own two beautiful retreat centers, one in Virginia and one in Arizona that help men and women who are suffering with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and I say men and women, really combat veterans and first responders who are suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder and are frustrated with traditional mental health approaches. We, um, we have a training program at our, at our organization that focuses on the science of something called post-traumatic growth. At the highest level, what that means is what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And, uh, and that's our belief is that if you can take the time you know, after a traumatic event to really understand what happened, you can actually become a better version of yourself with the right training. And that's what we do is we teach people how to get there. That's awesome. And, and you had your own military career, if I'm not mistaken, as well, correct? I did. I spent 21 years in the Navy. I was a bomb disposal specialist and spent about half my career doing traditional bomb disposal work and another half of that uh, supporting special forces operations around the world. So, yeah. That's really, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know so much about the military as in I don't have any family members that were part of it, but I can imagine that um, all of it is fairly stressful and bomb disposal is probably up there with, uh, with one of the higher stress uh, parts <laughs> of the military. But so, uh, and then you also wrote a book or you are writing your second book, correct? I just released the second book. Um, it's called Lead Well. The first book was called Struggle Well, which is our belief in this post-traumatic growth is that no matter who we are in life, we're going to live a series of ups and downs. And how you get through those struggles can be very rewarding. And uh, and that book was focused on on really the work we do here at Boulder Crest. And then, then really, you know, what we've seen is that, you know, during COVID, there was a survey that Axios did where they said, you know, 70% of Americans didn't like their jobs, hated their jobs was, was the term. And as part of that survey, one of the questions was, you know, has, has anybody checked in on you during COVID? And, and, and again, a very large number of people who were, you know, three or four months into the, into the pandemic, uh, the, the bosses hadn't even checked in on them to see how they were doing you know, physically, mentally, you know, all those things. And that's really made me think that, you know, the, the truth is, I, I don't think people hate their jobs. I think people hate the people they work for. <laughs> and and that's, that's what we were trying to really kind of come to an understanding of. But, you know, there's somebody asked me one day, said, well, you know, why another leadership book? I said, well, you know, there's thousands of leadership books, but most of them are inaccessible. They're complicated. And that's really what we did. This book is super short. It's 110 pages-ish, you know, quarter of an inch uh, thick, you know, a centimeter thick or so. And it's, it's really just 
uh, focused on on what we think are the are the critical skills that you have to have to be a really good leader. And that's 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 what the book's about. Awesome. Well, I love that. Well, I'm, I'm very curious now that you talk about all of this and that you brought up, you know, COVID and, and all the stuff that's been going on, you know, the idea of pro, post-traumatic growth, because, you know, a lot of people would argue that the past year and a half or so has been extremely traumatic and, and getting back to air quotes normal. So, you know, I'm really curious from a leadership and people's perspective, you know, what's at the heart of post-traumatic growth and, and what are some of the things uh, building on that, checking in on people? What are some of the things that people need to consider as they're helping their people move through this, you know, challenging time? Yeah, no, I think your 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 comment, Anthony, is spot on. Is that you know we we are in a, a very very traumatic uh, time in our in our world. Right? I mean, it's like hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people sick, multi millions of people sick, and hundreds of thousands of people dying, and and there's no like really clarity around when it's going to end. And we as humans do very well when we see a start and an end to something, <laughs> but when it just continues to go on it becomes a very difficult way to lead a life. And if you bring it back to the individual and we talk about people who are dealing with trauma and what happens to people when they're dealing with trauma, I always tell, tell people that the life you can't live is this proverbial life of the tail wagging the dog, that every day you get up and you have no control over it. And that's, to me, that's the great thing about life is that we have a lot of control over what we do and not always when it comes to our job we have a lot of it when when it comes to what we are going to do when we're going to go get our starbucks or what time we're going to get up in the morning what time we're going to go to bed what we're going to watch on tv we have a lot of control around that we don't always have a lot of control around what we're going to do when we get to work and that's why we thought this book was really timely is that you know leaders need to understand that one of my favorite books I went to Georgetown University, and one of the books I read there was a book called The Cathedral Within, written by a guy named Bill Shore. And Bill's definition of leadership is helping people get to a place that they can't get to on their own. And to me, that's really what leadership's all about. Because if 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 people didn't need you, then they wouldn't be looking for that, right? And, you know, there's an old saying that people, in general terms, humans really th- crave two things, the ability to contribute and the ability to grow. So as a leader, you know, knowing that people want to be involved in what we're doing, which really excites me, and number two, want to grow in my organization, that allows me to help them get to those places. And and that's really what this book is focused on is, okay, we're in this pandemic, life's bad, people don't like their jobs. What can we do to help leaders really turn their organizations around. And that's and that's that's what the book's really focused on. Ten principles that I think are timeless. You know, we, you hear a lot of things in a lot of leadership books. Oh, the millennials need you to do this and these people need you to do that. But the truth is leadership doesn't change <laughs> and people don't change in regards to this concept that they want to grow and they want to contribute. Yes, they may change because you know, marijuana in your city gets legalized and they're smoking more marijuana than they were before. Maybe uh, they change because they want to work from home instead of going to an office and they find that working at home is better for their mental health. I mean, those types of things change, but the core principles of leadership don't. And that's, and that's what we focused on, those 10 things. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I had something that I kind of want to connect the dots around it, around, you know, the work that you do with the foundation and, and you know, managing kind of the start and end, not of life, but just having managing control. And so I think where people feel out of control is where they feel like they have no impact. And like you said, you may or may not have impact to the things that are happening in your city. You may or may not have impact on what is going on, you know, with COVID and that kind of thing, but you do control uh, you have a, a, a shorter locus of control when it comes to self. And I can imagine that in those times where you feel out of control, you feel out of control with the things that you can control. And so helping people regain control of their life. So things stop like maybe spinning around them and then help them take those, you know, little steps towards their personal growth. Did I get that? I mean, it's kind of a hundred percent. I mean, I think exact your, your, your thoughts are exactly aligned with what, what I'm saying. So like the first principle, we have 10 principles of leadership. The first one is lead yourself first. So you know, what people respect the most out of leaders is people that they admire, people that they want to be like, you know, not to do as I say, but or, but don't do as I do. You know, that it's two different messages coming forward. You know, it's that people like role models. They like congruency. They like things to be uh, focused. And that's really what this whole concept is. And many leaders, even especially in the last you know two years of COVID, uh, have just let themselves get out of control. And, and until that control comes back, you know, it's hard to get people to respect you and want to be on your on your mission and, and and to help you achieve your vision. It's very difficult. So, you know, I think I think what you said, Anthony, is spot on. Awesome. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and I'll ask a question. So you spent 21 years in the Navy, you know, going through again, like challenging times, which I find with most people that write great books, it's it's always inspired by by real things. You know, you like you lived it again. You got to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. If you think back to that career and you think back to your training and you think back to those those challenges, you know, what are some of the, you know, two or three biggest takeaways that that shaped you as a, as a human being, not just as a, you know, a family man or but, you know, somebody who's contributing to their community, but you as a human being, what are some of those aha lessons learned that you really that guide you on a day to day basis from your time in the Navy? Yeah, well, I think, you know, two things I tell people all the time. Uh, there's two people, you know, I want three if I include myself, really two people responsible for who I am and where I am today. And that's my father and the U.S. Navy for good or for bad. Right. I mean, I saw more bad leaders in the U.S. Navy than I saw good. And I'll go to my grave saying that. And I know it doesn't sit well with, with people and leaders in the military sometimes. But the truth is, we don't do a great job, right, of, of in any industry of building great leaders. And the great leaders that do rise to the top, you know, are, are few and far between in the world. Not to distract you from a point, but why do you think that is? Why do you think that the world doesn't, like if we just looked at it, why do you think the world doesn't produce great leaders from your perspective? You know, I always tell people that, you know, humans are a byproduct and, 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 and the sum of their training. And that training starts and, you know, when we're born, obviously, but it really doesn't start to settle until you're about five or six years old. So remember, every experience you have with, with, with somebody, you know, above you, whether it's a father, grandfather, whatever, is, is going to be imprinted in your, in your leadership styles. Your, your professional leaders and managers. And, and I think what ends up happening is that there, in, in most cases, that, that there is more bad 
examples than good examples. And until we see those good examples, when we're older and we're, we're working for somebody or we end up, you know, with a great family, with, which not all of us do, but you end up with a family where, where, where those things start to come together, then it becomes an understanding of, oh, I can't do that or I can do that. And this is what's going to make me the person I am. Secondly, I think is that although experience is critical, I think when it comes to true high quality leadership, I don't think it's enough. I think you need academic uh, reinforcement on leadership. Now, I'm not saying you have to go to college and take a degree or a class in leadership. What I'm saying is you better be better well-read on the subject than the guy next to you if you want to shine. And that, to me, is where a lot of people who are in in the military, I think is a great example of this, where they get a lot of hands-on experience dealing with these things, leadership issues, but they don't ever kind of summarize it academically and, and put a wrapper around it. And, and, and that it doesn't kind of close. And I think the ones that do, you know, the Jack Welches of the world, the, the guy that ran Ford, uh, Alan uh, uh, Malloy, you know, these people that, you know, really you look up to and go, wow, that's, that's amazing. And, um, you know, even some of the current people running some of the biggest businesses in this, in this world have a reputation of being assholes. You know, so it's like, how do we how do we bring it all together and become that package? And it's hard. It's hard for a lot of reasons. You know, you're running a multi-billion dollar company and it's like the last thing you're worried about, maybe necessarily on, on the day your stock prices are tanking, is Johnny working down on the assembly line. And that's why, you know, all of this structure and everything is so important. And, and I think why there's such a disconnect. Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate, to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode. Yeah. So I, it's interesting. I mean, again, it's still, I'm curious about the, the positive experiences that you had. You mentioned, you know, your, your uh, father, grandfather, and then the Navy. But what I heard out of that is like, why are people bad leaders? And it's not necessarily that they're bad leaders. It's that they're put in leadership positions without sufficient training. And what I heard you say was training, like on the, on the ground training, like practical training. And then like reading skill development training. I I joke or I say all the time, it's like Michael Jordan and I both play basketball. Well, he played a lot more, but he's also got way better coaches. So it's technically the same sport, but we're playing a way different game. And where I think people are challenged, especially CEOs and they're developing their leadership teams, is they're so busy doing all of those things that you talked about that they don't have enough time, energy, bandwidth, prioritization of coaching their leaders around them. They potentially or possibly assume that they've been put in leadership positions. Therefore, they must be good leaders. And I don't think that that's accurate. Even ones that are great leaders I believe the great ones recognize the limit of their greatness and that there's no ceiling. And I think the, the one, the really great organizations that we have are the ones that are continually reinforcing and building back into their people. So 
Ken, you developed into a great leader. The Navy helped. What are some of the things that they they put you through that supported your leadership? Well, I think, you know, again, going back to my definition or Bill Shore's definition of leadership, helping people get to a place they can't get to on their own. I go back and I look at individuals, right? I mean, the, the military is fairly easy to navigate because it's the bureaucracy is so intense that you know what it takes to go from rank A to B to C to D. All that stuff is pretty clear and cut and dry. It's not always that way in corporate America. You know, I'm running a nonprofit now, but you know, I ran two for-profit companies before I retired and got into this business. So, I mean, I've I've got a pretty long career in, in both for and nonprofit, you know, leadership. So we really want to stay focused, I think, on this whole concept of can I work with a person who understands that I am here and I want to grow and I want to contribute to this organization? What can I do to bring out the best in that individual? And, and I had a couple of people in the Navy that did that to me. I mean, they put me to the test. You know, you, you mentioned, I mentioned that I was a bomb disposal guy. They say, I'm not sure I 100% agree with it um, uh, because I'm trained in it, but they say it's the most dangerous job in the world. And that stress you learn to deal with. But the other stuff you don't, you know, and, and, and the, the, the family stuff, the deployments, the long time away from home, the the you know wife having a baby wife having a miscarriage you know whatever these issues are that all make up the complexities of life great leaders understand that and know how to navigate it bad leaders tend to outsource it right you come to work in the morning you're feeling bad you had an argument with your wife you misbehave you throw a cup of coffee and you ruin your keyboard rather than somebody coming and sitting down with you and having a conversation about how you're doing it's go see hr Right. And when, and when leadership starts to get outsourced and people don't take real, real interest and attention on the people that are there, then it becomes an organization that just doesn't thrive. And I never had had that problem. I saw a lot of bad leaders. But for some reason in my military career, my Navy career, I was I was you know blessed to have some some really great leaders and people that helped me get places that I never would have been able to get on my own. Yeah, I hear that. One of the words that I think you almost said, but held back was the word <laughs> accountability and, yeah. and, and, and really like making sure that you're taking accountability, not just for oneself, because I think, as you had mentioned, the first principle from your book is, is leading oneself, but also accountability for your own responsibilities. Like you have accountability to your people and it's never more true than, than in the military. We have to watch out for everybody. But the other thing that I thought was such gold is the fact that it's complex. It's not easy. It's not clear. It's not specific. <laughs> and as a leader, if you're expecting it to be like a formula, I think you're going to set yourself up to fail because there's, and again, COVID, one example is it blended work and home. And, and that like added layers and layers and layers and layers of complexity, which I think exasperated the problems. But recognizing as a leader that you got to do what you got to do and what you got to do is maybe more than you thought and that it's complex and it's messy and good leaders manage through that. Is that fair to say, Ken? I think it's, it's, it's very fair to say. And, I, you know, I think it's really what the definition of what you're describing there, I always tell, is the difference between man, managers and leaders. Right? Managers know there's a process, there's a, you know, if I, an input and an output, you know, to my process. But with humans, that's not the case. <laughs> 
humans bring a complex level of complexity that the average manager doesn't. And that's why these leadership programs and education is so important because it's it's one thing to manage people, manage expectations and all the, you know, the, the things that happen on a daily basis in every level and size of company, but to actually lead people. And I tell people in my book, leadership's a verb in my mind. I mean, it's, this is a contact sport. You've got to be out there doing it. Uh, the number out of 10 principles in my book, number eight is hold yourself and others accountable. Accountability is huge. And if it doesn't start with me, right, if I just, you know, become this leader, you know, do as I say and not as I do, and I don't become somebody's role model or, you know, what somebody inspires to be, you know, whether whether that's at, at the father level of leadership or the corporate level of lead, leadership, then other people are going to, you know, just just flow through the flow through the system and and people want to be held accountable they 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 don't know it until they are and, and accountability isn't always negative right i mean it's how do you pat somebody on the back when it's the right time to pat them on the back or if they did something wrong how do you make an educational you know training process out of that i mean there's that people appreciate the feedback and 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 feedback's a big part of employee satisfaction so i think i think that, that accountability is at the, you know, although it's number eight on my list, my list isn't necessarily in order of priority. Uh, it's, it's way up at the top of, of what's important. Yeah, I get that. I think one of the cool things, and I, and I think that there's something that leaders can take from this. So we have leadership programs. It's built within our, our strategic planning process. One of the reasons I think that the military does create great leaders, whether you're pro or not pro military, is that it's a system. It's a structure it's regimented and it's a framework. And so for senior leaders, if you're a CEO, if you're running a company, if you're just dripping leadership, as in I say like uh, randomly sporadic doing leadership stuff, there's no, people can't count on it. It in fact creates that chaos and saying, oh, I don't know when this is coming. I cannot count on it. Whereas the military has built such a regimented system with training, how you build your routines, how you build your day, that everything has leadership wrapped around it. It's it's the system of the military is rooted in leadership and it, and it comes out in multiple layers. And I think that's one of the really cool uh, systemic things that is done well in terms of building and developing people. How could you build, train, and develop hundreds of thousands of people at scale without enough systems? Can am I not being a military guy? Is that uh, accurate from my perspective? There is very accurate, and I think you know. Again, what separate you know Harvard, Harvard University, basically their leadership publications say that leaders have three great qualities: a high level of intelligence, and not Mensa level, but just you know somebody smart, right? You don't want to work for a dummy. A high level of technical expertise, right? It's hard to work on, you know, automotives if you haven't grown up in that field and understand them. And this is why a lot of CEOs that get parachuted into companies don't do very well with people because they're they're not, you know, ingrained in the industry. And the third level of expertise that great leaders have to have is a high level of emotional intelligence. Now, this is where the military fails. So the military has one and two down. To, to the T, every I dotted, every T's crossed when it comes to technical expertise and, and intelligence, right? We recruit the best. I mean, every officer that goes into the U.S. military has a college degree. Many of them, by, by their sixth year in the military, have multiple master's degrees. Driving nuclear submarines and charging nuclear weapons. I mean, we've got that part down. But the, 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 the where, where the good and the bad leadership 
and why there's only so many good leaders and so many more bad leaders in the military is because we really have never really addressed this emotional intelligence stuff. And, and because I think the military in some, some manners thinks that it's soft. And I don't think it is. I think it's relevant. You know, there used to be a saying uh, in the Navy, you know, if you came to work with a problem with your wife, you know, one of the chiefs would say, oh, your wife didn't come in your sea bag. You know, your sea bags are, you know, your bag that all your equipment comes in. And, you know, well, no, she didn't, chief. But, you know, I am married <laughs> and I've got these problems and I, I need an extra day off to, to resolve them, you know, or whatever. I need an hour off to resolve them, you know. But, you know, that, the typical answer, you know, as I grew up in the Navy was eh, she didn't come in your seat bag. And people say, don't bring your personal problems to work. Well, how do you separate that? Right. How do you, you know, you know, your dog died last night. How do you get in the car in the morning and not be thinking about your dog and showing up to work and, you know, understanding all of that? And I think I really think that emotional intelligence is what really separates good and great leaders. You know, in the Navy, we would say great leaders would, would get titled a sailor's sailor, a soldier's soldier, you know, uh, and th those people that get that illustrious title are very far and few between. Yeah. Well, it's a very interesting, you know, I, at the end of, at the end of that, I said, ah, well, you solved the great resignation camp because basically <laughs> if, if the let's uh, assume, or I would assume and say, or assert that the bad managers have low EQ, that's a really simplification, but let's say, let's say that's the case. And in a world over the past 18 months, two year that has required, like, it didn't matter if you had the technical skills, if you, it's an EQ problem. So if you have low EQ, you cannot solve a problem that requires high EQ. And so all of these people that are quitting, all these people that are unhappy with their jobs because they're coming to the table with EQ problems and the band managers are trying to solve it with anything that's been brought in the sea bag. And then it's causing dissonance. It's causing disruption. People are like, well, I can't. I've got bigger problems than my work right now and you're not helping me solve them. So I need to go find somewhere that is. And that might be working for self because then you bring back that accountability and solving it your own uh, way. So thanks for uh, thanks for solving uh, the great resignation. Ken. That was great. <laughs> well, it's, and I don't know that it solves it because, you know, the, 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 the converse to that is somebody with a high EQ that doesn't have, you know, the high the high technical expertise and intelligence. I mean, you can end up with, you know, a really, really squishy leader who's just a nice guy or gal, but, but doesn't have, you know, the, the technical expertise that you need to achieve your vision and mission of your organization too. So it, it's all got to work together. I mean, I think that's, if you're going to solve it, that's it. But, but, but you're right. I mean, it's, when you look at that Axios survey and you think of a, you know, 70% of Americans hating their job and 70% and of Americans who haven't, you know, five months into a pandemic haven't even been asked how they're doing. I mean, it, it, this isn't, you know, me making an assumption. This is, this, is, this is what's happening in the world is it? you know, it's everybody's struggling a bit and we just don't, the, 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 the amount of people that can handle their struggles and other struggles uh, well, that number is very limited. Yeah, I get that. Well, the, I think the key thing is that you don't have to do it alone. And I think it's, uh, as you had mentioned, it's a skill that one can develop. So if there is something you take away is over the next, you know, months and weeks, you know, develop your capacity to manage change, deal your capacity to lead and capacity to lead yourself. So Ken, where can people get a hold of you? Where can people get your book and where can they learn more about what you're working on? Yeah, um, I'm pretty accessible on all social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, 
Tenfalk, F-A-L-K-E. And you can find our organization, Boulder Crest, at bouldercrest.org, O-R-G. And um, the book's on Amazon, Struggle Well and Lead Well are both on Amazon. So um, enjoy them. I think the uh, Kindle version of the book, I think through the holidays is only like 99 cents. So uh, definitely not here to sell books, but, but, but that's where they're at if you want them. But thank you, uh, Anthony, uh, for a great interview and, and happy holidays. Likewise. Well, I can sell your book. Pick up Ken's book, uh, Struggle Well, Lead Well. I think that as a as a leader, there is no uh, limit to what we're capable of. And I found that when I read great books, all I need is one or two little things. It's not going to make a difference to me. It's when you read that thing, you have a conversation with somebody else and it makes a difference with them. And that's how you have a lasting impact as a leader. And that's how you're successful as a leader. So thank you, Ken. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Happy holidays as well. Uh, so my guest today, Ken Falk, who is the chairman of the Boulder Crest Foundation. There's nothing wrong with struggling, folks. It's in fact, yeah, the only thing you do as a human being is struggle. It's you know being the right kind of person to support people with. With it. So Ken, thank you for bringing that to the table today. Thanks for sharing your experience. Um, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, everybody, take care. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it. It'll help your team think more strategically and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus, you can use the code podcast for $100 off. The course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course. Use the code podcast for $100 off, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.